Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And today's episode is the 37th of the Instagram Live Q&As that we've done. And this week's episode coming up, we've got Peter Donegan, another chat with him. Uh, not only talking about what he's been up to since Mifkas, but he's uh, coming out to Australia on the 25th of October for a, a week. So talk about why he's coming out for that for the Australian Institute of Horticulture. So um, it's good to hear about that and also just good to talk to him as well because uh, he's a, a wise man to talk to. I spoke to him for, like, I think the podcast goes for maybe an hour and 15 minutes, but I spoke to him for two hours on that day and also two hours the night before. So, yeah, I do enjoy talking to him. But get stuck into the questions. So if you've got one coming up, uh, chuck it in down the bottom because we've got eight to get through. Um first one is from Ivory Gardens saying, when quoting a job for projects a long way out, how do you mitigate possible material price rises? So that's one of the uh, many reasons why I'm not as profitable as I should be because I don't mitigate price rises. So that's one of the negatives to being booked out if you're not doing that. Um, uh, the perfect scenario that you would do is, like if you do have clients wanting to book you out for a project that's going to be ready nine months, you could tell them that you'll give them a price, like an estimate, and then 30 days before you're due to start, and then you can give them a firm quote. So there's less likely for rises uh, from that point on. But, uh, but yeah, it's certainly been a tough time for people who haven't been mitigating the price rises in the last few years, and, uh, and there's plenty of people out there like that too. And there's still, the prices are still going up as well, so it's still something you need to keep in mind. Uh, and if you do have to like if you do have a client who wants you to lock in a price of more than a few months out just make sure you're allowing for potential price rises so just assume that they are going to go up and then if they don't then it's happy days but if they do you've allowed for it so you're better off losing a job because you've allowed too much than getting it because you haven't allowed enough because if you don't want to make money you can just sit at home and not make money uh, James Zala said, what's your process when you start on site? Are heights and levels already worked out or is that as you go? So that's one of the many things I've been thinking of over the years that we could do a lot better is, or me, me particularly do a lot better, is by providing a plan, almost like a demolition plan of what areas need to be excavated to what heights and where the datum height is, like where the zero point is. Um, it's not something we do. Uh, there's one job we did where we had a list of – so we had the laser set up on the fence. So the laser went to the exact same spot every day, and then we had a staff set up with all the different heights that we needed to work to so that um, they were able to set their laser up on the exact same point every day so you didn't need to sort of recalibrate it to any datum point, and then you could, um, yeah, get to your heights quicker. But – yeah, doing that beforehand would be an efficient way to go. Um, and it, it depends how accurate the design is that you're working off uh, and how accurate the existing levels are compared to what your um, plan levels are. But, uh, but yeah, that's one of the many things you could do to improve efficiency on site. And also if you're um, looking to set, set up systems and processes so that you can be off on site less often, that's definitely something you should be doing so that you can provide your on-site people with a plan 
showing them where excavation needs to be done to in where in which areas. Uh, and it's not even that complex thing to do. Like you know what you need to do for garden beds and lawn and paved areas. So yeah, it's a pretty simple thing. You just got to uh, put one foot in front of the front of the other and, and start making those plans. ED Landscape said, "How do you think AI will influence the landscape industry?" I reckon that the it's going to influence more the sort of office works, like offsite kind of things. So I I reckon within two years, people will be able to get a landscape design done using AI for their particular project. So they'll probably upload a photo or set of plans, tick some boxes for things that they want included in the design, and then they'll be able to, like, you'll probably even do it now. I'm sure there's something, but it'd be pretty basic now. But, um, but yeah, there'll be an AI, AI landscape design program. That will be probably pretty accessible too, because there'll be a few people who, who offer it. Um, and like the earlier it is, the less valuable it's going to be. Like there's not going to be there'll be a lot of um, details missing, but that's only going to improve pretty quickly, I would reckon. Um, and what he was talking about was he, he thought that there could be things like you might tell a client you're going to be doing footings that are 400 by 400 and they said that they saw on AI, it said that the footing should be 400 by 600. Um, but anything like that, uh, I reckon you could shoot down pretty quick because you either got engineering for it or the AI app that you're using isn't going to back it up, but you will. So, um, yeah, there'll be things like that that they might question you about, but that's the same as the internet existing now. So I reckon the yeah, the design side of things is where it will have a big impact, uh, and it will like it'll make sort of office work tasks a lot easier. Um, there could even be one where you enter in, like you put your design in there, and then you've keyed in um, what your like it might say what the existing heights are, and then you could say in garden beds we excavate two hundred mil, paved areas one hundred eighty mil. And, all, and you can you can put input all your excavation heights, and then it'll provide your plan with all the um, how much excavation needs to be done for all the different areas. So, yeah, there'll be some real efficiency things that come in place, uh, and that's just the things I can think of. And I'm not someone who thinks of a lot of things before they happen. So there'll be a lot more that people that people smarter than me will come up with. So it'll be exciting to see. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with it. KO Landscape Design said, what brand is your spirit level of choice and how often are you buying a new one? And most of the ones we use are the Stanley Fat Max ones, but that's there's no, it's not because they're an amazing spirit level or anything. It's just because they're like a mid-range one. So I don't want to get the cheapest ones, but I also don't want to get the most expensive ones. So I don't think anything that we do needs to be precision level. Like we're not setting up a... Um, uh, an infinity edge on a swimming pool. So if your deck's out five mil over five metres, it's not the end of the world. So, the, yeah, most spirit levels don't need to be the world's most accurate tool. Um, and if you get ones that eventually what happens is when you sit it on paving one way, it says it's level, and when you turn it around the other way, it says it's falling one way. So that's obviously when they need to be replaced, but you can keep them. Um, in your trailer, just in case you're struggling to get some fall on a paving, you can bring out that 
that spirit level so that then you can see that there is fall on there. So they do have a, a use, the broken ones. But um, yeah, well, we'll use a laser level for excavation, but um, when we're paving, we'll use a spirit level and putting in posts and uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, but they don't need to be the stabilla or, or more expensive than that if there are mods. They're, they've all just got a, a bubble full of air in it. Uh, Simon from the Planet Space said, "What are the main threats to the ongoing success of a possible of a profitable sole trader landscaping business?" I reckon the the main one would be not knowing why you're successful. So you could just be like a lot of people, like I did at the start. I started business and uh, had just me and one other guy, or me and myself, just for, at at one point, and it was going really well. And I never sort of looked into why it was going well. So knowing why a profitable wood is the best place to start. And because if you don't know why, then the reason why might change and you don't realise it. So you're better off understanding like knowing your numbers so that you know how profitable you are, how much things cost. Um if you are going to put on an employee, you'll need to know how much you need to charge. And also when you do put on an employee, you need to know that they're going to work no quicker than 70% of the pace that you work. So you can't assume that they're going to work at the same pace as you. Um, but, yeah, just understanding the business as much as you can is the key. So knowing how much you need to be charging to make the amount that you want to make rather than just not watching the um, the money roll in. And Samakazi said, why aren't you watching the NRL Grand Final? Because I'm in Victoria, so I have no interest in the NRL Grand Final. Um, also, had no interest in Collingwood winning the AFL Grand Final, but unfortunately, I watched that. It's a sad result for the rest of the competition. Now, don't, Tommy, I don't even know who's playing. I think I've seen someone say go Penrith, so it could be the Panthers might be playing. But um, but I, I do know that Melbourne Storm. I think they might have lost the biggest losing margin in a preliminary final. So I know that they got pumped last week, but no idea if that was by the Panthers or, or the other team that are in there. Uh, Dan from Evergrow Landscapes said, do you ever feel like your phone or emails aren't working? Finding, spending heaps of time chasing up suppliers, builders, clients, etc., and even when they say they'll contact me, would you put it down to weeding out the bad ones or is this a pretty common challenge so it's a pretty common thing and it's more common in the last three years than it was before that but there were still times before that when it was it was really common for people not to um, get back to you when they say they would it's i find it infuriating like there's back in the day there was only one paving supplier in geelong and i stopped using them and refused to use them and still don't to this day because you'd ask them for a price on some paving and they say no worries i'll get back to you and then they just don't get back to you. So you're trying to either get that price or client or do a quote uh, or find it out so you can work out which supplier you want to order from. And then they just don't call you back. And it wasn't, and I, the more people I talked to about it, the more I found out that it wasn't just me. That's just every person that they deal with. They just never call back. So it's infuriating. Like it's not that hard to do. Like if you're, if they say, if you say to someone, I'll get back to you today. And then for whatever reason you can't get back to them today, just send them a text or call them up saying, can't get back to you today because of this reason, so I'll try again tomorrow. 
Like that's about as long as it takes. It might take a minute to look up the phone number or send a text, but it's uh, it may makes a big difference. And I understand like not like there's not everyone's perfect, so there are times where you don't get back to someone when you say you should, but um, but doing it consistently is quite annoying. Um, and yeah, the last three years, man, a lot of people are getting busier than normal. That um, it's happening more often, and that's because people are busy are just flat out, so they don't need to chase work as as much as what they would have in the past. But yes, yeah, it's, it's extremely infuriating, infuriating, um, because like like I said before, you you've got a client who's waiting on you so that you can tell them. So then you look bad in front of the client just because, and you, and it's almost like when you ask someone for a price or to get back to you on something, you need to set a reminder so that you can remind them. You can't just rely on them to get back to you because they said they would. So, yeah, it is a very common challenge and extremely frustrating and you could try and weed out those people, but uh, you might fi- you might find that there's um, a lot more of them. So could be better the devil you know. If there's no other negatives to dealing with them, then it might be worth putting up with. Uh, Green Effects Landscaping said, would you consider running a course for more advanced aspects of landscaping? So I did mention last week that I'm looking to, I'm going to be um, starting a landscaping course or a, a, there'll be multiple landscaping courses. So there'll be one for flexible paving, one for rigid paving, uh, decking and all the different elements within landscaping. Uh, and and I would be looking to do yeah, some advanced ones like some cantilevered stuff or um, he was talking about possibly like a cantilevered concrete bench seat and I was thinking that they'd probably need rather than because I can't give out that kind of advice on how much weight it can carry because that's more engineering but what I might look at doing is um, doing an example so I'll build an exact example and get engineering for that so then I can provide the engineering for that particular scenario so it's still yeah there's there's a lot of courses I've, uh, I've already got that I'll be making but there's also ones that um, I'll be adding to the list that people can then then purchase and uh, get feedback feedback on along the way. And it's a short one tonight. So last question from Rich Earth Landscapes. Do you think there is a higher proportion of big name designers in Victoria or New South Wales? That's an interesting question, but I reckon it's uh, a tough one to because you'd have to decide who classifies as a big name. Because there's a lot of um, big name, like, like popular landscape designers who aren't necessarily good landscape designers. They've just got a good marketing team. Um, I'm not a lot. I said a lot, but it's not a lot. But there are there's some who have got a big name who aren't that big a deal. So it's impossible to to say. Um, my first re- first thought would be. It'd be Sydney would have more popular ones because Sydney's a bit of a fancier place than Melbourne. Um, but yeah, I, without making the list of names, it'd be hard to say. Because yeah, it's a, yeah, I can't think of the word. I thought I was going so well tonight. I was also almost made it through without not being able to think of a word. But subjective, that's what it is. It's a subjective thing to say who's a, um, a big name designer. So. Impossible to work out. Uh, but Hazard has got a question in at the end saying, what's your thoughts on sawn rock steps? Oh, I love them. So, yeah, I think they're great because they've got the the flat top and then the natural face. 
so they 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 work in a lot of different designs, particularly sort of natural designs. But um, yeah, I'm seeing a fair bit, um, and yeah, I've used I've used a couple in the past. I spoke about last week. The one we did was only two or three steps high, so that was using some bluestone that was soil top and bottom, and then the natural edges. Uh, and I, yeah, I think they look great. Not fun to put in because they're so heavy, um, but they do look good. So um, it'd be good to see. Like, I don't know whether they use. I think they probably would use them a lot in New South Wales with the sandstone because it's so um, common up there. So. In Victoria, we're using a lot of bluestone ones, but I assume they're using sandstone in there. And don't know if uh, WA are using limestone. I don't know if they have big blocks of that. But uh, yeah, I think that they're they're good. And I assume they're. I don't know. If, I reckon they might work out relatively cheap as well, because um, yeah, there's not a lot of labour involved other than you're stalling it. You're not sort of cutting anything or forming anything up. You're not forming up concrete and then laying it or anything like that. So. Um, yeah, I haven't done enough to know what the prize is like, but I reckon they're a good option. But uh, that was the last question for tonight. So thank you to everyone who submitted the question. And this week's guest at the moment is Peter Donegan, just to catch up with him. So um, if you like listening to that episode or if you can't bother listening to it but you want to see him in person, uh, hit up the Australian Institute of Horticulture website and then you can see where he's talking on what dates. And then there's uh, going to be a catch up after one of them, after the Melbourne one, and then at, uh, at PJ O'Brien's as well. Uh, thank you very much again for everyone who submitted a question, and we'll see you next week.